Well, so as we get started today, we are in the middle of a series called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you with a decision, but if you ever had a decision where, where you, just, you just knew, you just knew this was the right decision. Right, you just knew, and then after you went through it, after you got the new job, after you bought the car, after you started to date that person, all of a sudden, it wasn't the right decision. All of a sudden, you looked up and you're like, wait, how did I get here? How, I was so sure that this was it. This, I was so sure. See, the problem is, for many of us, when it comes to our intuition, we think we're smarter than we are. We think we're smarter than we are. And we'll say, we'll use this for all kinds of things. We'll, uh, when someone says, well, how do you know? Well, it's just my sixth sense. I just knew. Maybe for you, you're just that intuitive person. So you're like, I just feel it in my gut. Like, I just know this is the right thing. It's just women's intuition, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're thinking, man, this, I knew God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I was supposed to do this. I was so sure. And even when we have that certainty, there are moments where it doesn't play out. And part of that is, is because we didn't ask good questions. See, as we've been going through this series, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, and we've been asking different questions, we've been looking at the connection between the, the questions we ask and the decisions we make. See, and the decisions that we make that we just know Here's my guess. Somewhere along the way, somebody's looked you in the eye and said, are you sure? Are you sure? There was a close friend, there was a spouse, there was a child, a parent who looked at you and said, are you sure? You're sure this is a good idea? And you said, yeah. Well, you just don't know him like I do. You just don't see it like I see it. You just, you're trying to keep me down. And we have all kinds of things. And we ignore the tensions that begin to show up in our lives. And so in this series, we've been looking at five questions. Last week, or two weeks ago, we looked at the question of, am I telling myself the truth really? Am I being honest with myself really? And so, because many times when it comes to decisions, we lie to ourselves, we deceive ourselves. And so the first question that we asked was, am I telling myself the truth? Am I being honest with myself or Am I selling myself a regret? And last week, we looked at the, the idea of legacy, of story. When all the decisions we make become stories that we tell, what story do we want to tell? And so today, though, I want to look at, at our intuition, at the moments that we just know. But as I've said, there's a chance that you have something in your story that didn't turn out the way that you thought. I, I'm one of those people, I, I just know everything. Okay, that's just, that's how I think. And so when it comes to decisions, I spend so much time mentally processing it. I think about it. I think about all the ways that I might, that it might not work, all the things that the other person might do. I, and really, I'm thinking of all the ways to win in life. And, and so for me, when I enter a decision, I'm like, well, this is for sure going to work, right? And, and I'll do this in relationships. I'm like, well, this is what the other person's going to do. You know, this is how it's going to end. I don't know if, any, if you have friends like this. I'm really fun when I say to someone, let me tell you how this is going to end for you. <laughs> People appreciate that all the time. And so, but, but I say it in such a convincing way, a confident way, because I, I know. I just know. And, and so this question is one I've really wrestled with over the years. 
because I have made numerous decisions in my lifetime that I knew, that I prayed about, that I was convinced that God was in, that God, God, I was convinced God was moving in, me in this way, and it was going to happen like this, and then it didn't. It didn't happen that way. And there's a chance that that's happened to you in your life. And then here's what we do. We'll sit back and go, well, what did I miss? How did I miss that? Did, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's one of the tensions that you, you feel. I thought I heard God. Did I not hear God? Or, or then, this is why I'll blame, I'll blame the other person. Well, clearly they didn't hear God. But what did we miss? How do we know? How do we know if God is speaking? And so here's the question for this week. In your life right now, is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there a tension that deserves your attention? See, a lot of times in life and throughout our days, we'll feel a tension, right? We'll feel a, a check in our spirit, a red flag, a, it's kind of something in our gut. Like we'll feel a tension. Here, here's one way. It's 9.30, it's late, you're tired, and you go to the freezer and you pull it open and you pull out the ice cream and you feel a tension. Is it too late? Like, did I miss the chance to have dessert? Is this gonna wreck my sleep? Like, there's a tension, right? There's a tension in that moment. You felt it, you have. Some of you did it last night. You stood there in the, in you, in the freezer and your spouse said, shut the freezer. There's a tension, right? There, there's that tension when, when you're online shopping. And you're thinking, do, do I need another pair of shoes? Do I need another pair? Do I, do I need another shirt? Do I need, do I need another power drill? There's a tension. This is for you. Today is for you. There's a tension. Right? We, we, we stand in line and, and, and we're waiting at the grocery store. Do, do I pull out my phone? Do I, do I ignore the person across the table from me? Do I listen? Throughout our day, we have all kinds of little tensions that show up, all kinds of things that show up. And the question is, do we just blow by those? Are those tensions things we need to do something about? Are they, are they, things, that, are they things that we need to pay attention to? Are those little things God's speaking to us in that moment? What do we do with those tensions? See, most of us, and this is how we get regrets, we just fly through those tensions. We just go, well, yeah, you know, I, I definitely need three scoops of ice cream for sure. And we fly through those tensions. I for sure need another pair of shoes. Absolutely. And we just go through the tensions. Now, attention doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something, okay? Attention doesn't mean that you shouldn't move forward with something. Just because you feel attention about a job opportunity or about a relationship doesn't mean that you don't go through with it. But what it does mean is that you should pay attention. Because I think when tensions arise in our lives, these are invitations, things that God is trying to draw us into and say, hey, pay attention. Hey, pay attention. Pay attention to this person. Hey, pay attention to this relationship. Hey, pay attention to this. Just pay attention. And so here's the question. Is there a tension in your life right now that deserves your attention? See, and like we've said every single week in this series, this is so much easier to see in other people's lives. 
right? We'll look at other people and we'll wonder, why did they overcommit and sign, up, sign their kids up for all those activities? Like, I don't understand why they did that. We'll look at other people and say, you know, I don't understand why they took that job. Like, it's just not a good fit for them at all. We'll look at other people and think, you know, I, I can't believe that they're still together. Like, she, he's clearly not good for her. And it's so easy for us to pay attention to tensions in other people's lives. But we don't do it in ourselves. So is there a tension right now in your life? Is there a tension in a relationship that deserves your attention? Is there a tension in something you're walking through that deserves your attention? And so to see this in scripture, there's a, there's a fascinating story in the Old Testament of a guy named David. Now, David, if you don't know biblical history, he is Israel's second king. But what happens in this story in 1 Samuel 24 actually takes place before Daniel or before David becomes king. Now, David is a shepherd. He is one of several sons in a large family. And one day, out of nowhere, I mean, literally out of nowhere, a man, a prophet named Samuel, shows up at David's house and anoints David, David and says, you will be the next king. Now, here, here's what's really fascinating about this. One, David's family is not royalty in any way. He is a shepherd. But two, there's already a king in Israel. Saul is the king. But God had decided that he was raising up a new king, that he was going to, after one king, he was getting rid of Saul's family and there was going to be a new family that would sit on the throne. And so as David grew, Saul knew that Samuel had anointed David as king. But Saul is still alive. Now, imagine this awkwardness. Okay, it's like when, when you and a coworker are going for the same job a little bit. But here's Saul. I mean, he has the power to kill David. And Saul's jealousy just grows. Saul's resentment grows. And at this point, David continues in Saul's army and becomes an incredible warrior, so much so that people sing songs and write songs about David's just ability as a warrior and his courage. And, and they sing songs about the tens of thousands of people that David has killed compared to Saul's hundreds of people. And, and here, so I mean, you feel just this tension and, and just this resentment that Saul starts to feel towards David. So much so then that David gets word that Saul wants to kill him. So as David has become this warrior, he goes on the run. Now at this point, David has a small army with him. He has people who are loyal to him. People who, you know, most of them are younger. People who are, who are like, you know, well, David's been, you know, anointed the next king. David's a great warrior. So we are hitching our wagon to this guy. This is, this is the new guy. And so David goes on the run. And this is what it says in, in uh, 1 Samuel 24. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all over Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now here's the picture. Here's what's happening. So Saul takes 3,000 guys on horses, all, you know, all done up like they're in 300 and, you know, they have their shields, their armors, their spears, everything. And they're going to look. Now, here's David and his guys. They're, they're just out on the run. Everything that they have, they're carrying with them. And, and so they're hiding out in, in, the, in the desert of Israel in caves. 
And Saul knows where they are. Now, here's the thing. In the desert of En Gedi, there's mountains all over the desert of En Gedi. There's caves all over. So they have to go and look in each cave. They have to search them out. And I think it's interesting. This is to me, some of, when people ask me a lot of times, they'll say, well, you know, do you really believe that the Bible is true? For me, the fact that they put the details in the Bible that are in there is, is always so fascinating to me in the accuracy of the Bible. As well, seemingly weird details. Like why does verse three end with, and there was a cave there and Saul went in to relieve himself. That seems like an odd detail. Let's just be honest. We're in church. That's a weird detail. And here's Saul. I mean, he's the king, so he can be like, hey, we're stopping. I have to go to the bathroom. So he gets, he gets down off of his horse and he goes into the cave. Now, here's what's interesting. The very next verse tells us that the cave that he went into is the same one that David and his men were in the back of. Now, of all the caves that Saul could choose, he chooses the one that David's in. Now, David knew that Saul was coming. David heard Saul. You, you hear 3,000 people coming. Like you hear. So David's men are able to scatter. And here's Saul, the one who wants to kill David right here. Now, here's the thing. When you go to the bathroom, you're not on high alert, right? You're not. So Saul goes into the cave and he's going to the bathroom. He's not on high alert. He's probably, he set his shield down. He set his sword down. He doesn't even take his bodyguard with him. Okay, so he goes in. He's all alone in this cave. He's all alone. And when you go into a cave, can you see right away? No, you can't see right away. So David's eyes are adjusted to the darkness so he can see Saul. But Saul can't see him. Saul doesn't know that, that he's there. I mean, this is like that horror movie when you're like, there's somebody behind the door. Right, but, like you, but the other person, they can't hear. And this is, here's the thing. This is... From a human perspective, David's chance to become king. This is David's chance. And clearly, because look at this verse in verse 4. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. So here's what David's men said. David, this is clearly God's will. This is how you become king. You kill Saul. That's how you become king. This, this is it. I mean, how many times has this happened in your life? We're like, this is, this is clearly God. This is clearly God. A friend says to you, how, this is so obvious to you. Now here's this tension. What, what does David do? David doesn't know if he kills Saul, what happens after that. He doesn't know if, Saul, if the 3,000 men loyal to Saul will be loyal to him. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. All kinds of things are running through his mind, I think, at this point. I mean, this is the moment. David, at some point, had to sit with his men around a fire and talk about what life would be like when he was king. When he would say, you know what, when I'm in the palace, and this was the moment. Have you ever had this moment where it's seemingly so obviously right in front of you? Where you have a friend that says, do, just do it, come on. Just do it. Just click on that. Just buy that. Take that. Drink that. Just fall in love. It's right there. Just get into that bed. So many times in our lives, there are things that seem so obvious because they're right in front of us. 
But what we know as we go through this story is that David felt something. David felt attention. David creeps up to Saul unnoticed and he takes his dagger out. Now at this moment, I want you to imagine, his men are watching, they're thinking, this is it. This is the moment. David has his dagger out. Saul's going to the bathroom. He is totally unprotected. This is it. But David felt something. David felt attention. He felt a hesitation. Because he creeps up unnoticed and cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. Just cuts off a corner. Now I wonder, do you think any of David's men sat there and thought, what is he doing? Why is he just cutting off a corner of his robe? Like, that's not how you become king. See, David not only has to deal with any kind of tension or hesitation he feels, but how everybody else is going to react to how he responds. See, one of the reasons you and I ignore tensions is because we're worried about what everyone else is going to think if we ignore, if we just keep going. Well, what are they going to think if I don't take this opportunity? What are they going to think if I don't say yes? What are they going to think if I don't drink that? What are they going to think if I don't get in that car? What if I never get another chance? What if this is my opportunity? What if like, what if I'm getting too old for opportunities? What if I already missed my opportunity? See, the thing about decisions is that, and here's one of the reasons I think we ignore tensions. One of the main reasons we ignore tensions is because we believe we can predict outcomes. See, one of the reasons we ignore tensions in our lives is because you and I think we know more than we know. We think we know exactly how that conversation tomorrow is going to go. We think we know exactly what will happen if we take that job or don't take that job. But like David, David doesn't know what happens next. He doesn't know what happens if he kills Saul. He thought he knew. But I wonder if part of his tension was, okay, God anointed me king. Is this really how this happens? See, I think in this moment, David begins to actually bring together last week's question and this week's question. Okay, last week we asked the question, when this decision becomes a story, what story do I want to tell? And I wonder if David thought, okay, when, when my grandkids say to me, hey, tell us the story about how you became king, it's not going to be Samuel anointed me. It's I killed Saul. I wonder if part of his tension was, is this really how this is supposed to go? Is this really how God's promises play out through murder? See, I think there's a great invitation and attention for us to step back and ask some of these other questions and say, okay, like, do I, what story do I want to tell about this? What story do I want to tell about high school? Like one day when I look back, like what story do I want to tell about my relationships there? What story do I want to tell about my marriage? David creeps up and cuts off a corner of his robe. And then he goes back to his men. And I'm sure they were in disbelief. I'm sure somebody looked at him and goes, what? what? That's, that, 
I'm sure there's probably some hot-headed guy who's like, well, if you're not going to kill him, I'll kill him. And David says to his men, as the Lord is my witness, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. David is saying this is God's chosen king. God made him king. Now, here's what somebody could say to him. Yeah, but David, Samuel anointed you too. There will always be a friend. There will always be a friend, I promise you, that will tell you exactly what you want to hear. You will always have somebody in your life. If you're a boss, you will always have an employee who will tell you exactly what you want to hear. I'm sure David had people going, yeah, but David, come on. David says, no, no, no. This is the Lord's anointed. And you would think, David had, he had a good reason to kill him. I mean, Saul wanted to kill him. He could have said, hey, like, this is my self-defense. Like, this is, you know, Saul came looking for me. I can't help it that Saul came looking for me. That's not my, that was Saul's decision. He could have, like, reasoned his way into killing Saul. And it would have been legitimate from our perspective. I mean, if you don't kill Saul, he's going to get you. See, don't miss this. David, in that moment, made a different decision than what many of us would have made. And, And here's what's important, okay? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. That just because God promised you something doesn't mean that it will happen today. Just because God promised you something doesn't mean it will happen today. Doesn't mean it will happen this year. It was years ago that David was anointed. He could have said, well, clearly I'm supposed to be king today. But what did God need to do in that midst? He needed to prepare David for that moment. He took David out into the wilderness. And we've seen again and again, if you remember for our Advent series, as we looked at all of the different places that God meets people, where does God meet people most deeply throughout Scripture? In the desert, in the wilderness, in the caves, in the dark places, on the mountaintops by themselves. See, David is figuratively and literally in a cave. And in this cave, this is where I believe that David, that God did his deepest work in David to prepare him. And and for many of us, you're in this place right now where God has promised you something and you're like, this is the moment. God promised me this. You know, God placed this on my heart. It's supposed to happen now. If my boss would just get out of the way, if my spouse would just get on board, if my kids would stop being so difficult, like we have all kinds of reasons. And what is God doing? God has you in the cave. God has you in the place where he is working deeply in you, preparing you for what is ahead. See, I think David had to go into the cave. He had to be on the run. He had to be alone with God for God to do his deep work to prepare him because David's legacy goes on. Jesus eventually comes from David's family. That doesn't happen from a cocky, hot-headed guy who's like, well, God made me king today. That comes from somebody who has been deeply wounded and and has walked through just the fires that God has for us and has humbled him. And so if you're in the cave right now, that is not the end of your story. And just because God has not brought about what 
he promised, what he has placed on you does not mean it won't happen. It just means that just because God has promised it doesn't mean it will happen today. See, there is a waiting that we walk through. There there is a longing that we walk through. There is a preparation time that we walk through. See, I I wonder if David had this opportunity right after he killed Goliath, if he would have cut off Saul's robe. I think in that moment, it would have been really easy for him to be like, well, like I killed one guy, like what's another one? And yet, there is this preparation that God took him through. David then comes out of the cave. And this had to be an incredible moment. This had to be something else. I mean, picture this. Saul comes out of the cave. You know, he's getting his, you know, armor back on and gets down to his horse. And David comes out of the cave and shouts. The exact cave that Saul was just in. And he says to everybody there, he says, may the Lord be judge and decide between you and me. May he take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. See, one of the reasons that I I think we blow through tensions in our lives in the moments that God is inviting us to hit pause, one of the reasons is because we think, well, like, obviously God needs my help to make this happen. So I'm going to, I'm going to move this along. Obviously, like God, God's just kind of like not moving as fast as I'd like him to. So like clearly, now we'll never say that. We'll never say God needs our help. But how many times have we got ahead of God? And so David says, I'll let God be my judge. I'll let God decide who's king. And the amazing thing is, Saul then leaves, takes all his men and goes back to Jerusalem. A few weeks later, pass. Saul's out in battle with the Philistines, and Saul is mortally wounded when an arrow hits him. And right after Saul dies, they made David king. Now, would they have made David king if he killed Saul? Probably. Would they have been afraid of David? Would they have been drawn to David's humility? David's trust in God? See, David, in that moment, listened differently than he would have years ago. So here's my question for you. Right now in your life, is there a tension that deserves your attention? Is there something that God is, is speaking to you in that you need to listen to? That's, as a follower of Jesus, th- this is the advantage that you and I have over people who aren't followers of Jesus. We have the God of the universe living in us, moving in our lives, speaking to us, guiding us, hitting pause and saying, hey, you should listen to that. You should really pay attention to that. But will, in that moment that the Holy Spirit speaks, will we listen? Will we listen? Or will we say, no, this is supposed to happen now. You're supposed, this is supposed to be now. You promised, God, it's supposed to happen now. David had every right to say that. And I'm sure there was moments in the darkness of that cave as he wrote those Psalms that that we love and hold on to, that he said, God, you anointed me as king. When is this happening? And he waited. And he waited. You know, for me, as I thought about this story, 
as I've thought over the last couple of years of us moving here and just the numerous times that there were pauses for Katie and I in our story of discerning what God had for us where we felt tensions. Where we felt tensions. And we pulled back to listen. We pulled back to pray more. And each one was frustrating. All tensions are frustrating. They always come at moments you don't like, and they always come from people that, that you, you don't want to prove them right, typically. But each one is, I think, an invitation from God to just say, time out. Let's dig a little bit deeper and see what's there. And so as we've been praying through this series, one of the things I've been praying for with this one is for those of you who are in the cave right now, to not lose hope. To not lose hope while you're in the cave. Your story is not over. The story that God's writing in your life is not over. And for those of you who have blown through tensions like I have numerous times and you have some deep regrets and some scars that you wish you don't carry, to know that the story is not over. To know that God's not done working in your life, that God's redemption is not... It's, it's not off course just because you blew through attention and you ignored something. As we sang earlier, the scandal of grace is there for you. But my hope is that each one of us, as we navigate our, our daily lives, is that when attention comes up, that we just stop and say, God, what are you saying right now in this moment? What are you doing right now? What am I, what am I not hearing or not paying attention to that I need to be aware of? Because I think in that moment is a chance for us to draw closer and go deeper with the God of the universe that loves us. So here's how we're going to close. We're going we're to sing a song together. And I want to just spend a moment and just pray just as we're kind of in different places. I'm going to pray for each one of us in kind of those different categories. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you speak to us. I thank you that your spirit moves in our lives. You move in big ways and small ways. And God, I pray right now for those who carry just a, a, a ton of guilt because it's so easy to look back over our lives and see all of the places that, that we just missed it, that we blew through it, that we, that we were prideful or, or whatever, and we just, we just ignored the things around us. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to bring those things <clears throat> to you. Help us to know your grace. Help us to know that your forgiveness and your grace goes further than all of our scars and all of our wounds and all of our mistakes and all of our sins. And, God, I pray for those who are in the cave right now, who are in that, that place of waiting and in that place of, God, you... You put this on my heart. You said, I thought you said now. I thought you said go. I thought you said this was it. Father, it is so hard to wait when there is something just overflowing in us. And so I just pray for those who are in the cave right now. God, that they would not miss what you are doing in the cave, that they would not miss how you are speaking in the cave. They wouldn't miss how you are preparing them in that cave. 
that they would not lose heart and grow weary, but that they would move into deeper places with you. And God, I pray that as each one of us goes about our week and, and we have tensions that, that appear hundreds, possibly thousands of times in our day, I pray that we would have an awareness, that we would have antennas up this week, maybe more so than ever before, to say, God, what are, what are you doing? What am I missing? What maybe do I need to pay attention to? And that through that, we would, in that place of stopping and pausing, that we would open ourselves up to, to more readily hear from you, that we'd be more ready to hear from your spirit this week. In your name. Amen.